0: It's um, I don't even call it. It's like a firecracker, but like on steroids. Uh, this thing is is whaps quite a wallop. And uh, I had some teenage kids come by my house last night, and I think because my house has a little side road that nobody's built anything on, they wanted to come and light off all their fireworks on my side lawn. And unlike everybody else in this town, I actually think my house may burn down from fireworks. <laughs> And so I was going to, I brought my son out. I said, hey. I said, boy, we're really going to get these guys like this thrown over there and then we'll run. Because every time I go out there and yell at kids in my neighborhood, they always egg my house. I do live in a good neighborhood. We just got some real teenagers. So uh, so I say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go run. Let it boom and, and, and we'll run. And dad goes, or I mean, Jonathan goes, dad, how could you do that? I said, Jonathan, nobody from the church is going to know. And he goes, Dad, how could you say that? And I look at him and I went, son, how could I say that? I can't believe that came out of my mouth. That's why you buy it. No, anyway. So finally, you know, he's like, Dad, I got an idea. We'll turn the sprinklers on. Kill two birds with one stone. Not only is my grass wet, it won't burn, but we get rid of the riprap. And uh, it was so funny when we went to go turn it on. Jonathan goes like this. (laughs) He's almost 10 and just, you know, he's like, wait, wait, I'm going to go out there and watch, you know. So we turned it on, and sure enough, I heard bleepity bleep, 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 bleep as they're running down the street. I said, yes, until we meet another day. I won this battle. Oh man! There was a, a few years back. I was getting into something that was kind of fun in Washington. It's called river kayaking, and uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot like what Pam does. Uh, only I went river kayaking with a man called Crazy Eddie. Crazy Pam. And uh, yeah, we got Crazy <laughs> Pam. I had Crazy Eddie, and uh, Crazy Eddie—he uh, was nuts. Uh, in fact, one time we were driving his, you know, I thought it was a bron- Bronco, but actually I remember now, it was one of those old international scouts. might yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like a beefed up Jeep, really. And uh, he had huge 33-inch tires on there. And we're in the Olympic Mountains cross the Sound, and, and, and you know, and this guy is crazy. He's going like 50 miles an hour through some of these trails, and they got stumps where they just logged the road. Uh, you know, fresh from a week or two ago. And so we actually got hung up on a stump. And the car spins. I, I mean, this is a very weird experience. The car spins and then rolls. And it only rolled once, like like a 360 or 720. And thankfully, the tires caught on the road. Had they not, I would not be your pastor today. That's where you're supposed to go, Oh, we're so glad it didn't roll. <laughs> Because that would have went down the mountains, and I assure you, uh, even my ability to duck would not have helped in that moment. And so so this was the guy I went river kayaking with. You know, I can't, he's still alive. I really can't believe he's still alive. He's still living, even though he does all these stupid things. And so we're going river kayaking, and it's the kind where you get in and you have that little neoprene skirt that kind of keeps you in. Don't call me. Sissy, come on, wait to hear the story. So, you know, at first I thought it was cool, but he said, hey, if you flip over, you won't be able to get out. You, you'll, have to, you'll have to row yourself out. You'll have to, I don't know what it's called, but if you flip over, you can't just get out and then flip the boat back. You have to row yourself out because it's, somehow it's impossible the way the kayak is constructed. So what happens? I flipped. I flipped out. I flipped, and then I flipped down. Because when you give somebody a 10-second lesson before, <laughs> it's like when you're on an airplane and they're going over the safety exits. Who's really paying attention to those, you know? I mean, I know I should, but it's just kind of one of you know. So I'm, I'm flipped over on this kayak, and my first thought was I really hope my head doesn't hit one of those slimy branches under the river you know i mean that's just my first thought never mind i'm like seconds from death i just don't want to feel my head hit a slimy branch or a dead fish <laughs> and uh and so but after a while i'm trying to do his little i couldn't remember what he'd said I'm like wiggling around i'm like oh wait a minute and i'm trying to like maneuver the, the way the boats are constructed i mean they're They're pretty, you you can't tip, you know, uh, right them very well once they flip over. So, and and by the way, rivers are moving. So I'm moving down the river, and I'm upside down. And I'm still in the kayak. And after I realized that I was not able to give myself up, I don't know if it was the current or whatever, I began to panic. Because he was, like, way ahead of me. So even with his reaction time, you have to stop. You know, I, I just thought, there's, and then he has to go upriver. So I'm thinking, there's no way in the world he can help me. Nobody else is around. I can't write myself up, and eventually my body's going to take a breath. So I, be, I begin to panic. And when you begin to panic, you want to take breath even more. You're, you're, you see the air bubbles. I felt the air bubbles coming out of my my mouth and I was really scared it really I mean, I, when I go back to that moment in my memory I don't go back often but I it was dark, cold and I didn't, I didn't want to die like that and I was struggling I mean I was I was trying to do everything I could to get out of the kayak. I had my feet forward. Anybody knows about that? It's very hard to bend your legs and slip out, especially under current. And I I mean, you know, maybe a shallow rock is going to hit me. I I was just literally freaking out. And just in the middle of my panic, I had remembered something just kind of shot into my mind and it was Psalm 25. Now, the psalm didn't shoot into my mind, just the title of it. Psalm 25. But years earlier, our youth pastor had beat that psalm into us. I didn't even know what it meant. I could recite it, but I had no clue how to teach it. And as that psalm came into my head, of course, the first lines are, to you, O God, I place my trust. And I remember... That song came into my head, and immediately my brain put that first sentence in there like I was about to say it. To you, O Lord, I put my trust. And I am literally seconds away from not being able to hold my breath anymore. My heart's pounding, the chills that you get right as you're about to faint and all that start coming over me. And I I really thought, man, this might be it. I just did a stupid thing, and I'm going to make the papers. And uh, all of a sudden, crazy Eddie grabs the kayak. And he was pretty strong. He was very tall. And he just, just flipped it somehow. And when I came up, I remember that. I mean, drawing that first breath. And, And of course, you know. That was the end of the day for me, uh, but drawing that first breath and and feeling like my life, like this man saved my life. You know, I never thanked him for it. I probably should. Maybe that's something I'll do after church today. Uh, but but I guess I never thanked him for it because half of me blamed him for it, right? I mean, it was his kayak. Something he wanted to do. I was doing him a favor by gracing him with my presence. And so. So he should have saved my life, right? But, I, you know, and, and I, I mean, as I took that breath and I was just freaking out, he was just he was kind of laughing. And, uh, uh, you know, he thought it was kind of funny. Mike, you kind of remind me of him a little bit, actually. If I start calling you Crazy Eddie, you'll know what I'm talking about now. He started laughing a little bit. He's like, oh, man, you almost bit it. I'm thinking, that's not something you laugh about. There's social intelligence in the world. This is not one of those moments you make a joke. But, you know, he was, and that was just the way Crazy, crazy Eddie was. And, and, uh, but something happened. Something happened that day. I became afraid of the water. It had become a mountain for me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word. We ask now, in Jesus' name, that you would open up our hearts to receive and our ears to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you go to Matthew chapter 21 uh, and verse 21 and 22, Jesus makes a very famous quote. Uh, and and this, is, this, this one appears in many of the Gospels. Uh, And it also appears in one of the letters of Paul, as we'll see in a few moments. So, whatever doubt anybody has about anything in Scripture, uh, this is one of the most attested sayings to Jesus. And he says this. If any one of you has faith, the size of a mustard seed. If you look on your bulletin, flip it over, you'll see the size of a mustard seed. Did I put that picture in? Yeah. I remember it was on my palette, but I couldn't remember if I put it in. I put it okay. So you'll see the size of a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest seeds that will germinate in the earth. If any of you has faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to be cast into the sea and it will be done for you. For anyone who believes, I think that's a key point there. For anyone who believes, they will receive whatever they ask for in prayer. Your translations and versions may have all different kinds, but that's the basic gist of it. If you have faith, the the smallest faith you can think of, faith at all, basically, Jesus is saying. If you have faith at all, you can look at the mountain and say, be cast in the sea. And for anyone who believes, whatever they ask for in prayer, it shall be done for them. This has also been a very abused verse in the Bible. As people begin to pray for all sorts of things that God is not obviously involved in. Now, you know, obviously this is not literal. Jesus is not literally saying that, you know, he wants to throw mountains into the ocean. Remember, it was God who placed the mountains where they were. So we're not talking about a physical reality here. What Jesus is talking about is he's using a metaphor, and it's a common metaphor that we will often use today as well, is that the mountains... Are some sort of obstacle, some sort of hindrance, some sort of problem, some sort of fear or anxiety. Maybe it's a personality thing that you got uh, that you're trying to overcome. You know, whether whether it be an arrogant thing or an angry thing. You know, it's just something that hinders us from either being all God has called us to be, or stops or blocks the plan of God within us, or around us, or in front of us. And so Jesus is saying if you have just the smallest faith in the world, you can plow right through those mountains. And my confession to you this morning is I think I'm a lot like a lot of people. There's times where I just don't have faith. I just don't have faith for it. A few years ago, there was a circumstance and I remember Tanya and I were at our dinner table we always used to pray together and I um, still do but, but in, in this way at this, at this particular dinner table in our home in Tacoma it was so horrible I remember I would always lead I would always be the one to start the prayer and I was just quiet for so long and she said honey you going to go I said you know Tanya I'm all prayed out I'm all prayed out I didn't even have the mustard seed at that moment. And I was just kind of staring off, angry, (coughs) looking out the window. And then my wife started praying. That was pretty cool. You know, sometimes when we have no faith, it's good to have people around who do. And uh, she started to pray out. I remember feeling like a wimp, (laughs) but I remember also feeling very grateful. I couldn't mouth the word. I couldn't even say it. The mustard seed had been crushed out from under me. And so this morning, that's my confession to you that there's times in our life where we have that. I get asked a lot, you know, Tom, how can I pray confidently? How can I pray and believe in what I'm praying for? How how can my prayers be something more than just kind of tossing up to God like a Christmas wish list that we do with Santa Claus, you know? How how can I pray and just have confidence and fervor? Like I see other people praying and they really believe in what they're praying for. They really believe that God's gonna come through for them. How can I switch my prayers from just hopes to faith, to confidence? This morning, that's what we're gonna talk about. This morning, uh, we're gonna talk about really having that kind of faith that gives you the confidence to access the blessings that Jesus has given us through the giving of the Holy Spirit. I I can't remember what it was. Oh, it it was a few years back. I had a computer. And I took it in to get worked on. And the guy told me, oh, you're not using half of what your computer can do. And I said, I didn't even know my computer could do all this stuff. Sometimes that's how we live as Christians. We don't even know... All that we have access to. It's ignorance. It's not rebellion. It's not sin. It's just flat out ignorance. We don't always know what we have access to. And so our prayers do kind of become things. We just, go, we're going to toss a bone here. Maybe something will happen, you know, trying to cover all our bases. Rather than getting to the point to say, you know what, God, if you don't come through for me, then I don't want anything else to. That confident, mountain-moving faith. That's what we're talking about this morning. And my first point is this. Faith comes by hearing the message of God's word. I know it's kind of funny. We struggle to read our Bibles a lot. It's not a, a discipline, perhaps like it once was or, or ever was. Uh, you know, I've only lived so long. And, and I know for me, sometimes it, it, it can become an issue of discipline. Uh, but one of the things that I found out, Especially through the course of my life, is that though this is an ancient book, book, the words of this book have power like no other. Amen. Amen. Uh, when I was seventeen, I was in Israel, and I was in uh, the a- Arab quarter of uh, Jerusalem, and I was there with two. I was there on a, on a mission trip with our youth group, and I was there with two two teenagers. Female teenagers, my age. Uh, We were going, they were trying to find something, and I was (coughs) along for the ride. And we went into this shop, and the man says, oh, do you want to see what I got in the back of the shop? I have better deals there. And so we go into the back of the shop, and as we're looking, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people start pouring in. And I see them whispering to each other, and I see the conversation and the two young ladies who were with me, they looked and they saw the situation as well. And, and, it, and it's a look I'll never forget. When they looked at me, it was a look of horror. Like, what have we gotten ourselves into? We had kind of gone a little further than we should. We were a little outside the boundary that our youth pastor had said we could go. And it was later in the day, and we had not met up with them like we should. So it wasn't, wasn't you know, we, we, we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and by choice, we knew it. But we weren't trying to do anything wrong. We just were doing something wrong. It's like I was underneath the kayak all over again. Just that heartbeat panic begins to come in. And yet, thankfully, in that moment, once again, that instant reaction to recite Psalm 25 just came to us. And I want to... I've memorized it long ago But when I memorize stuff There's the Tom version And then there's the actual Bible <laughs> I'd like to read for you the actual Bible I usually come close you know, Just so you know But I remember out loud Out loud And it was, be- it was beautiful that the youth pastor Taught this to the whole youth group Because as, as I didn't start it, the other girl did But as she started it We all said it together And this is what we said In you, Lord, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior. And as we began to speak those words, it was like the Red Sea parted. We grabbed wrists, and just walked straight out. Everybody parted, and we walked out, got out, and got back to the student bus. How are we able to hold our heads high confidently? By speaking the word. When Satan came to pick a fight with Jesus, how did Jesus fight back? Oh, Jesus could have snapped his fingers and sent Satan two galaxies over, but he didn't. He wanted to teach us how to fight. And so every time Satan came after him, Jesus came back at him with a verse out of the Bible. A man does not live on bread alone, but on everything that comes from the mouth of love. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Worship the Lord your God alone. He was quoting scripture, and every time he quoted scripture, he gave the devil a right look. And by the third one, it knocked him out. He had to come back later. Why? Jesus was modeling. Jesus' faith was based on the word of God. If you ever do a study on the red letter sayings of Jesus, they all have Old Testament correlations. Why? Because Jesus spoke the word. That was the source of his faith. Even though he had the power of God residing in him like nobody else on earth. He even told Pilate. He said, you know, Pilate, do you think for a moment I couldn't snap my fingers and have a legion of angels behind me to protect me. Jesus wasn't trying to brag or boast. He was stating a a reality. And yet, how Jesus chose to pray his mountain-moving prayers was based on the word. Paul would say in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of the word of God. If you're struggling with faith, you're like, you know what? I don't know if I get faith. I don't know if I have faith. I don't know if I even <laughs> like faith. My guess is these words, the words of the Bible, the words of Christ, the message of God, the word of God needs to be reintroduced, replanted, reseeded so that it can spring. So that all of a sudden, in those moments of your life, you got Psalm 25 that pops in your head. You say, oh, you, oh, Lord, oh, my God, in whom I trust. Or you say, I, and I know, uh, Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future and a hope. Good plans to prosper you. And these things begin to hit you all at once. And it provides faith. Now, you're not sure if you've just committed the unforgivable sin. But if you read 1 John 1.9, it says, If anyone, anyone confesses their sin... Jesus is faithful and just to forgive that son and purify from all unrighteousness. Anyone, any sin. There's never a time when, but we get that, I get that. Yes, when I was going to throw the M80 over the fence, later I felt convicted of that. Why? Not because I would have been personally hurt by it, but my son saw it. Yes, even the dumb ones that you're embarrassed. Why? Because faith comes by hearing the word. And it is hearing. it. You can read it. You can get tapes. and listen to it. Talk about it. I have friends that talk about the Bible. And then they throw in stuff. And I throw in stuff. It's great. It builds faith. The Bible is not just meant to educate us about God. It's meant to build us faith. For in those moments of life when they come and we don't know it will be the ones that have faith to stand. Amen? Amen? Number two. Faith comes by looking at God and not the problem. When I was uh, in Mexico a few years ago, I would always take a team of teenagers down to Mexico. and It was kind of nice for me because it was almost like a vacation. They did everything and I was just a chaperone. I mean, I'd leave the, the devotions and stuff, but nothing that was very hard or stretching for me. About the third or fourth time I was there, we were sitting in church, and uh, the pastor comes up right at the beginning of the service and says, you know what, I just got a word from the Lord, and he said, you're the one that's supposed to bring the message this morning. What? Are you on crack? Do you want me to clear your church out quicker than a Bob scare? I mean, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness. This missionary is going to see just how bad I really am. And I'm just, I was going for 45 minutes. I was so nervous. I don't speak Spanish. I can, And I, I don't have anything prepared. I didn't even have my Bible with me. Don't ask me about that. I mean, it was just all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, man. How am I going to do this? How am I going to stand in front of another culture? And they've come to hear the word of God. And they have problems with Americans. And they told me that. They're always very honest with it. And, my, and the worship team that was leading was the youth worship team. I normally prayed for them, but when the chips are down, you're praying for yourself. Hey, you guys, you're on your own, man. I gotta pray for myself right now. And then their last song was a song, uh, I don't know if you know it, it's called Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. And and one of the verses says, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. That comes out of Isaiah chapter six. It says Isaiah Isaiah saw uh, that the heavens were peeled away and Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Immediately I had the word. While I was focusing on me, I had 45 minutes of sheer torture. But the moment I focused on God, I had a whole sermon Amen. in less than a second. As I began to speak, I said, I know for some of you it may be hard to receive from me because I'm an American. You look at me and it conjures up images, things you've seen in the news, in the media, movies, books military you look at me and you see that I said this morning I'm asking you not to look at me but that we would be like Isaiah we'd stop looking horizontal but that we would look vertical and that we would see the Lord together high and lifted up, don't see me see God they, they liked it kind of <laughs> it's always hard to speak with a Spanish translator <laughs> Because I'll, I'll tend to, like, say five sentences and then they're like, uh... uh anyway. But I think, you know, the point is, and I, I think that's the point, the enemy will always try to get us to keep looking at ourselves. When Satan came to Eve, what was Satan... Was Satan's conversation about God? No. Satan wanted to talk about Eve. Oh, Eve. God been holding out on you, man. You can get knowledge you can you can be like god you can get wisdom you can get all these things eve come on eat this thing what did Eve do for a moment she took her eyes off god put her eyes on herself and she ate and the bible is filled with that the israelites are at the red sea and they're about to be annihilated by the egyptian army and what are they doing the enemies got them looking at the Egyptians saying, oh my goodness, Moses, you let us out here to die, not realizing that their salvation was ahead of them as God parted the Red Sea. Joshua sent spies into the promised land, but when the spies came back, they said, oh, or, I mean Moses did, and they said, oh Moses, the people are really tall. I don't think we can fight them and win. Only Joshua and Caleb said, what are you saying? They may be big, but God is bigger. What had happened was Joshua and Caleb kept their eyes on God. Every other spy had their eyes on themselves. To pray confidently, we have to be looking upward, not inward. Does that make sense? Number three. Faith comes. So faith comes by hearing the message of God's word. Faith comes by... Keeping our eye, Hebrews 12, 2 says what? Uh, Let us fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Number one, getting the word, that brings faith. Number two, keeping our eyes on God, that brings faith. Number three, understanding that sometimes faith comes as we walk with God over, through, or around the problem. I'm like anybody else. I'd love to pray and just sit back and watch God do it. Almost to be like my little genie, you know. Remember, remember that show? What was that show where the I, dream I, of I what was it? I dream of genie. I dream of that was the name of the show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. <laughs> um, but but I what little I remember is that she would, she would do something with her eyebrows. Remember that? She'd do something with her eyebrows, and the house would be clean, you know? Or, or there'd be, like, food. Oh, man, that would be wonderful. <laughs> I'd pay for that gift. I mean, you know, she, she'd have this thing, and, and sometimes, I gotta admit, when I'm tired and I'm frustrated and I'm confused, or quite frankly, when I'm just having a good time, when something comes my way, I'd like God to just... Do a genie on you, blink his blink his eyes, and all of a sudden everything's fixed. I'll tell you something: about ten to twenty percent of the time, you'll get that if you ask for it. There are some things God will fix, and you won't have to fire a shot. But eighty to ninety percent of the time, God is going to work through you in the midst of the problem. Rather than throwing the mountain into the sea He's going to have you go through the mountain He's going to have you Go right on through it and, t- and you know what To be honest with you We benefit more when God does it through us Than when God does it for us You know My, my parents used to do things for me My clothes My whatever But until I began to learn to do them for myself I would have just remained an infant I would have remained a child I'd be dependent on them to this day But they taught me how to do that. God teaches us how to go through the mountain, And he teaches us by having faith and trust in him. (coughs) And then my final point is, faith without love is no faith at all. This phrase ends up somewhere else in the Bible. Theologians love it because they love to see how these letters interacted when, when they're all spread out. Remember, the Old Testament was primarily written in Israel, where Israel is today. A little bit was written in Persia, but most of it was written in Israel. The New Testament, all over the Roman Empire was written. So when they see correlation, it's kind of a big deal for them. And there's a huge one. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging stone. In other words, I could speak in all these kinds of tongues, but if I do not have love, if I'm a jerk, this is what everybody's hearing. (laughs) Clang, 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 clang. He goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have what? Faith that can move a mountain. Ooh. Just connected to Matthew 21. Paul did. If I have faith that can move a mountain, but do not have love. Paul says, you're nothing. You're nothing. That faith is of no value. The works of your faith are of no value. You don't have love. I was on a trip, another mission trip, when I was... Younger, 19. And I went with this missions pastor at the church I was attending because he was so cool. And when he spoke, oh my gosh, I mean, it was like, it it was literally like having a movie star speak. The fruit, I I remember, everybody idolized One time, it was my duty to do coffee duty. This should have given me my first clue. One of the (laughs) members of the team would come in, bring coffee to the pastoral staff and serve it to them while they had their morning meeting. And I came in, and I sat down to the coffee. I had no problem serving coffee. But what I heard, I almost lost my breath. They were making fun of members of the team, what they wore, how they talked, how stupid they did, like something stupid they did. They were, you know sometimes you want to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, they're laughing with you. No, I was socially intelligent enough to know they were laughing at him. They were making themselves greater than them. I stayed for a little bit. I heard them tell a story about how the missions pastor, this guy I, I idolized, had went up and tried to buy something in Canada, we were in Canada, with American money. And the, the vendor said, I'm sorry, we only take Canadian money. And he said, no, you'll take this. She goes, I'm sorry, we only take Canadian money. He goes, no. One of these days, you know we're just going to take you over. So you have to take it now. And he said it and he meant it. And the lady was offended. She told another member of the team, I, I wish you guys would leave. I'd never seen an example of faith without love more than this person. He didn't last long. As good as he was, he fizzled out after about a couple years of being our missions pastor. And if you would ask me why, I'd say... It just wasn't the love there. He was good. No doubt about it. He could tell a story. He could move your heart. No doubt about it. But to be honest with you, outside of that realm, I probably wouldn't want to hang out five minutes with him. Because I'd probably hear about something stupid that one of you were doing. No, I'm just <laughs> Paul said, I could have faith to move a mountain. But without love, it equals nothing. So this morning, if you're wondering, you know, when I come against a situation, and it's a tough one, I want you to remember this. Because this is what I do. Remember I told you that story about the kayak? I walked out of the water that day terrified of it. Terrified of it. In fact, Derek doesn't know this, but I still am. A few years ago, I went hiking with him. And uh, he was fishing. And he hands me a pole. He says, Why don't you fish? I couldn't. Because when I cast, in fact, every time he cast, the boat would rock a little. And so I was doing everything I could to just breathe, watch him catch (laughs) fish after fish. They say Matt was the king of the hill that day, but I don't know. Eric was bringing out fish after fish. And every time he'd catch a fish, what would happen? The boat would rock. And so I have, I'm nervous and just holding on to the sides. Because I remember being in a boat like that and flipping over. So it, it, it can last to this day. But two things I want to tell you. First of all, I went, I went in the boat. I did go. Bill, I think it was your boat. How I trusted that boat, I'm not sure, but that thing is a boat. The church's boat. The church's boat. Did you leave it there? Is it still there? Oh. <laughs> well, after hiking it down that mountain, I, I can swear up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 not gonna happen. <laughs> um, a week later, Crazy Eddie calls me up again. He says, "Hey, you want to go kayaking?" And the worst part about being a guy. <laughs> is you're never going to admit to another guy that you're afraid, right? So I said, all right, crazy Eddie. I called him Eddie. But I thought, crazy Eddie. Let's go. And I remember as I was getting into that boat, over and over in my head was Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I put my trust. You will not let me be put to shame. Now, the good thing is I improvised this time. I found out, you did I, because I'm short, I'd never thank God for being short. I have never seen the advantage of it, even though all of you are nice, and you say, oh, if you're short, blah, blah, I know that you're all just being nice. There is no good reason to be short. But in this particular case, I could go on my knees and still operate the skirt. He was too tall, he had to stick his feet out in front. That was the problem, I had my feet forward. I was on my, did I, did I tip over? Yes. But I just kicked out with my knees and out I was from under the boat. Why he didn't tell me that the first time, maybe why I haven't thanked him for saving my life yet. But (laughs) the point is, the point is, it was a very real fear. And it still is to some degree to this day, being in those kind of boats. And yet it's being able to access that mountain moving faith and say, you know what? I'm not going to let fear stop me from anything good God has for me—not from going out in a canoe with my friend on a men's trip, and not with going out with Crazy Eddie to prove my (coughs) manhood. Faith, by your head's in. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and God, I pray. Lord, I pray for for faith. I think many of us, Lord, may be like I was on that day on my dining room where I'm just all prayed out. Wouldn't know what to say. Wouldn't even know where to begin. Struggling. Struggling. God, I pray that you would help us to become people of your word. God, that we would be people who keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. God, that we would be like Joshua. we go right through the mountain. It doesn't matter if there are giants in the land, because God is always bigger. But most of all, Lord, we would have love. We would have true love, not... Backbiting, making fun of each other love. But as Jesus calls it, Philadelphia, brotherly love, sisterly love, family love. And with that, we can move mountains. Before we end today, I'd like to give a very simple invitation. And I, I know there's not too many people here this morning, so I, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but If you'd like to become a Christian this morning, a a sincere Christian, a true one, we don't really believe you're born into it or that it's something you can inherit, it's at some point following Christ is a choice that you make. I'd like to invite you just to come on and see me after the service. We'll sit down and we'll talk and we'll pray together and I promise you it'll be the best decision you ever. For the rest of us, if we can stand together and put your hand over your heart. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the face of God shine upon you. May God be gracious to you and grant you peace this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry for going a little bit long this morning. Definitely try to cut it down for next week. God bless you all. Take care.